Hey everyone, welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Just a quick note before today's episode. This summer, we're completing our series of introduction videos with our final season of filming, and we still need to raise about $30,000 to cover those costs, and we would love you to help us with that. And you can do that by visiting the Spoken Gospel website and clicking on Donate. And by doing that, you can contribute to bringing books like the Book of Revelation to life. And whether that's through a one-time gift or a monthly donation, your support makes all the difference in the world. So thank you so much and enjoy today's podcast. Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. This is our attempt to speak the gospel out of every corner of scripture. We believe every part of the Bible, Old Testament and New, is about Jesus. And this podcast is our experiment to publicly test that belief. Let's jump in. All right. Well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. We're really glad you're here. Welcome. Yeah, Seth. How you feeling today? Um, I am less than two weeks away from baby girl. Oh, coming. you are. I'm so I'm just ready. I'm just a wreck. I'm just ready for it to happen. <laughs> she has a double chin. She does. According I saw to it. the ultrasound, ultrasound and hair, her face is so smushed. I know in there, it's and really then that cute. double chin. And she's got like some big lips they and showed your nose. Us, they showed us today that her hair was waving in the Aww. amniotic fluid, which I also learned is just her recycled pee. <laughs> so well, That's good. I didn't know recycled pee was the layman version of amniotic fluid. <laughs> that's exactly what it it's is. It's really good. If this is your first time to listen to the Spoken Gospel welcome. podcast, welcome to the insanity. Um, no, but we, uh, we, we, we do extend all the congratulations to you, I'm Seth. Excited. We're very excited. Um, and so uh, we have talked about the creation, the fall, and the fall, and the flood, and all the Fs, all the all the Fs, <laughs> uh, and then Abraham, Isaac, and, and now Jacob, and Jacob. And so, and, and one of the things we want, I think we should stop and think about uh, is an overarching theme, which we touched on last time. Yeah, but I want to I want to circle back to because it becomes painfully obvious with yes. the story of Jacob. Um, and it's summed up perfectly by Joseph at the end of the book, right? What God, which man, what man intended for evil, God intended for good. Right. Which, I mean, you can go all the way back to Genesis, and it's like, we would not have known the cross of Jesus if it weren't for the fall. That's exactly right. And like right. right after the fall, what do we get? A promise of the cross of Jesus. Yes. And so God is, is somehow... <laughs> And this is the mystery that especially the story of Jacob leaves with us that we're going to wrestle with today, is somehow um, God subverts, works through, works in spite of man's evil to bring about his perfect plans. Yes. And that is hard. It is hard. But I think it's meant to encourage a people who, like Israel, are on the run, yeah. unsure of if they'll ever feel like they have a place to call home, wondering if God will continue to be faithful and if he's actually there. Yeah. If you're asking those questions, what's one of the most comforting <laughs> things that you can hear? Yeah. Don't worry. No matter what evil you see around you, that is not beyond God's capacity to use for your benefit and for your good and right. for God's ultimate glory and fame. Yeah. And so, I mean, what we see all throughout, if we wanted to kind of take a big giant step back and look at the overarching narrative of Genesis, what we would see again and again and again is human failure yep. and human evil 
whether through such cataclysmic and widespread evil that God had to send down a flood to literally cleanse the earth of it, um, or these really intimate, behind-closed-doors, interpersonal sins that happen between maybe like uh, Jacob and his father that we ended with last week, where right. he's tricking his dad to get his blessing. Um, that is that's the polar extremes yeah. of like, and we'll, we'll even yeah. see here in this story, it's like where it's like kind of mixed motives. Like that sounds like maybe a yeah. decent way to do that, but it's right, not God's way. <laughs> yeah. So I just think it's really good for us to to remember that all throughout Genesis, God is uh, and the good God is bringing about. We should remember this. What is the good plan that God is bringing about in specifically Genesis? It is the preservation of His chosen seed. Yes. That in Genesis 3.15, God promised that one of Eve's offspring would ultimately come back and destroy the head of death forever. Yeah. That he would beat the serpent and he would bring people back to God in the Garden of Eden. That's right. And so, but he said that there would be enmity between that single what chosen line. What does that line, word mean? Like hostility. Like enmity uh, like, means hostility. Yeah, or like uh, being at odds with, being right. opposed to. It's um, always one of those words like I kind of know what it means. Relational, but I don't really know. Relational what it means. turmoil, like yeah, and so um, that that line would have this enmity between the rest of the world, which would be the seed of the serpent, and um, and that's what we see is constantly um, whether it's a foreign power or even the sin crouching at the door of these individuals' hearts. Um, evil keeps working its way in, even to God's chosen line. But what we are seeing is that through it all. God is faithful to preserve his promise, even despite and even through human evil. And so um, that's what we get to wrestle with, with the wrestler today. Huh? The wrestler. The wrestler. Jacob. He wrestles Jacob with the wrestler. God. <laughs> Jacob the wrestler. It's not as good as like a Macho Man Randy Savage name, but you know. Who? You don't know who Macho Man... You you grew up in Scotland. It's fine. <laughs> don't worry about it. It's a It's a famous 90s thing i think macho man randy savage it was never heard of this ww like world wrestling federation no okay. do you know hulk hogan yeah that guy they were friends okay or enemies that makes a they lot. were on tv together that helps me i don't know they, they got, yeah the book of genesis okay <laughs> <Good. better. laughs> okay the wrestler the wrestler jacob the wrestler okay so uh we have but jacob's name does not mean the wrestler it means trickster right because he came out grabbing his brother's heel yeah being all sneaky and that's what we see. The way he gets his birthright and the way he gets his blessing is by tricking his dad. So already we see a paradigm being set up for Jacob. It's that God said he would be the one to be blessed before he was even born. But then somehow in a strange turn of events, it's through trickery and sin and deceit that this comes true, that Jacob ends up being the one that's blessed by his father. Yes. So already we're like, this is going to be a hard story and story arc and character to deal with here. So let's see what happens. Again, yes. preparing you, we're basically saying the same thing we've already noticed, that God uses human evil to accomplish good purposes. Right. And that's just Jacob's entire life. Crushing it. Crushing it. <laughs> so Jacob leaves Laban. Right. Yeah, he goes back to his homeland, right? where yes. it, where Where Abraham had found Sarah, where... Um, Isaac found Rachel, right? And now Jacob's going back to find his wife to continue this chosen line. Yes. And as he goes back, he has a dream. Yes. He has a dream. Yeah. And uh, 
he uses he famously uses his rock as a pillow and we're not going to unpack that because there's no illusion there <laughs> so if you've preached that sermon i'm sorry it's just a happenstance Does people preach a sermon from yeah the they'd rock? be like that's the cornerstone or whatever oh. i've heard so many weird allegories really? made of like sometimes when you have a hard night's sleep god does something oh. or like there's like all these funny I allegories just figure, like, i think you're like when i think about it in my mind i think of like a small pillow sized rock like right that's, but like it's probably like a big boulder. boulder he's leaning against. He's leaning against. Yes. Like, with a fire next to him. Yeah, the, the fire. way more sense. Yeah, like a, a rocky, a rocking chair. The first rocking oh. chair. Nope. Okay. Okay. Dad joke. Dad joke. Nailed it. He has yep. a Go dream. Ahead. Yep. Where we see Jacob's ladder, which is probably not the best translation. No. But I think it's supposed to be like Jacob's mountain, like a ziggurat. Or, yeah, like yeah, this should hearken us back to the Tower of Babel. Right, which was back uh, earlier in Genesis, that this is kind of like the stair step ladder tower structure that we are kind of reminded of um, that we talked about being a ziggurat, which is this place that um, a ziggurat humans is like would the build. Aztec type temple ones, right? Like the stair step looking yes. pyramid thing. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, uh, and you know, and that's the different archaeologists and different theologians have different ideas of what they look like. But yeah, it's a tower that also has steps, and those steps are supposed to be big for the gods to come down out of heaven and take big thundering steps down the tower. And so we see something like that here. We do. Angels are descending and yep. ascending into God's presence and down into the earth right here at this yep. place that Jacob will yep. call Bethel. Two, two key differences between this one and the Tower of Babel, though. One, man did not build this tower, right? God built this tower. It did not, and it didn't, it did not come up from the ground to the heavens. It came down from the heavens to the ground. So that's very important to know. And then two... It actually worked. The, yes. right, the, the tower actually was activated. It wasn't just this thing that people built and then were punished for building. It was actually the portal through which God would come to earth, like angels going up and down heaven and earth. And so it's like heaven and earth are coming together here right. in this tower, which is what they wanted to happen at Babel, but it didn't work. Right. Yeah. What, which was what actually happened in the Garden of Eden. And so it's fascinating. Again, oh, right. it's like it did happen in the Garden of Eden. And so God is giving Jacob the same promise he gave Adam and Eve, the same promise he gave Abraham, the same promise he gave Jacob. He's now in Isaac. Isaac He's right, now yep. giving to him. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you mm. shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth will be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go. And you, you will bring, and I will bring you back to this land, for mm. I will not leave you until I have yeah. what I promise for you. And so we're saying that's interesting, right? Because um, the the Garden of Eden is called later in the Bible this like this mountain temple of God, yeah. right? And so it's this elevated area where man and God can live together. And we're saying here again, God is invading an Eden-like structure right into the heart of His chosen person, right? And He's saying like. I'm bringing you back to Eden. I'm giving you the promise I, I started in Eden, and I'm going to bring you back to Eden. Right. Okay. And you should even think about conceptually, like there are angels on this. He, oh, Jacob yeah. calls it the gate of heaven. Mm-hmm. And so there's angels right there. And actually when he wrestles with God and before and after as he's going into the promised land, just like, on, so they're like the border patrol of right. the new Eden. Yes. The border patrol of the promised land is guarded by angels, mm-hmm. just like Eden was guarded by angels. Right, the cherubim with the flaming right. sword outside the garden. Right, okay. And he says, how awesome is this place? And then calls it Bethel, right. which means the house of God. Oh, 
Which is, I mean, which like, yeah, it looks like God's coming God's to the front te- door. God, God's temple, his house, yeah. his council, his Eden, like right. his house. So it's like what we, as you were reading the story, you'd be going, huh, this kind of looks like Eden where God lived. And if you had any doubt left, he just throws the name on the front door and says, this is God's house. This is God's house. Okay, so we're supposed to look at this and be like, this is the place. And it's not, well, it's not this place, right? But it's, it's God is promising through Jacob to bring this place, yes, to bring the house of God. And so um, what's interesting is then this image is what Jesus hearkens us back to. I've said hearkens twice now. Harkens. I hate that. It, he reminds us. He he brings anything us back to harkens. anything besides harkens, because that is not a normal word. It's one of those words that you pick up from being in the Christian subculture yep, for long that's, enough, that's right. and then you just th- pepper it into your that's vocabulary. Right. Harkens the herald angels. That's exactly yeah, something like that. Okay, so but Jesus quotes this. He gives us these these the same image in the beginning of the book of John, the Gospel of John. Um, if you remember, he uh, is it Nathaniel. He like he like predicts that Nathaniel's under this tree or whatever, yeah. and Nathaniel freaks out that he knew that he was under this tree or whatever. And yeah, and yeah, just yeah. like, that's nothing. Right. He's like, that is not the coolest sign that you're ever going to see me do. And then he tells him the cool sign that he's going to see him do. He says, Jesus said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. And so he's uh, angels ascending and descending through an open heaven. That's Jacob's ladder. Like that's this dream that we right. are looking at. But what's interesting is he doesn't talk about there being a ziggurat or a ladder or a staircase. He says the angels are going up and down. On him. On him. Right. So, I mean. And who does that make Nathaniel? Whoa. It makes Nathaniel Jacob. Jacob. That's weird. <laughs> so it makes him Jacob, yeah. the one who will be with the Son of Man, oh, yeah. bringing God's presence and Eden to the new mm. world. Yeah, that's cool. I've, not, I've never thought of it like that. But like, so it, when we're saying that Jesus is the ladder, Jesus is Jacob's ladder. What the what John, the author of this gospel here, is trying to get us to see is that Jesus is the gate of heaven. Yes. Because isn't that is that what That's Jacob exactly calls right. it? He calls it the gate the of gate, heaven. The gate of heaven. Jesus is the door, which Jesus will say later in John, yeah. into God's house, That's into right. Bethel. Jesus is the door into Bethel, into the home of God. Jesus is the way that we get through the fiery cherubim back into Eden. Like right. Jesus is the gate into heaven. Yes. That's so cool. It is so cool. Yeah. And it points us back to the story in a broader sense. It is God who is the one who provides the way into the promised land. Oh, it is God yes. who who right. who will do it ultimately. Yes. Even through human evil. Right. Because we have to remember that the the Babylon the Babylonian uh, ziggurat from the Tower of Babel that was a man-made endeavor to work ourselves up to God. The good news of the gospel, the good news of the fact that Jesus is the gate of heaven, is that Jesus comes down to us to build the tab- to, to to build the connection. Right. It's not something we do to build ourselves up through good works or or moral worth or religious activity to build ourselves up to God. Instead, the gospel is that God comes and makes the connection for us. He opens the way for us. So right after we have God's call from the middle of Eden, we see Jacob going out to towards his promised land. Or right. Like he's going back to the place where he's supposed to be, and he sees Rachel, right. the woman he wants to be, his, his wife. New, his new Eve. His new Eve. Yeah. And he finds out who this person is. And again, fa- they meet at another well. And they meet at another <laughs> well, so you can keep going down the hole. Yep. And her father is this guy named Laban. We've and met he, him before. We've met him before, and now his tricksy side is going to be coming. <laughs> <laughs> going to be coming out. But what's fascinating, you said she he she's the new Eve. 
Yeah. Laban actually identifies Jacob as the new Adam. He oh, says, okay. surely you are my bone <laughs> and my flesh. I was being cheeky. <laughs> no, like okay. he says, like he repeats kind of what Adam says, well, what Adam says about Eve in the garden, oh. but about Jacob. So what's fascinating then is you should automatically be thinking in terms of Adam and Eve and almost in like a, a, yeah. an Adam and Eve type scenario right, right after the blessing so in again, the, of the garden. <laughs> so again, are we are we back into this this place of uh, heightened expectations only to only to like be deflated and sad because it's like okay, we're waiting for a seed, the promised one's going to come, Jacob got a blessing, heaven just opened up, uh, this new person, they're the new Adam and Eve. Here we go. Right. It's going to work now. Death's yeah. going to end. Everything's going to get fixed. But <laughs> Jacob has affection towards Rachel, right. the beautiful daughter, okay. but not Leah, the oh, beautiful younger daughter. Oh, because who's Leah? Leah is... The ugly older daughter? Yeah, ugly... <laughs> Poor older. Leah. And what's crazy is she doesn't get married for the seven years that Jacob is pursuing Rachel. Oh. Because she's the older one, and she's supposed to be married first, but for the seven years he's pursuing Rachel, right. the older, older okay, sister... Okay, so, so let's, let's fill in that story, right? So uh, Jacob comes to Laban and says, I want to marry your younger daughter, Rachel, and he's like, uh, no, no. And he's like, well, how can I, how can I make it work for you? He's like, well, how about you come and work in my fields for seven years? And once you work in my field for seven years, I'll let you marry my daughter. Wink. Right. <laughs> right. And so he works seven years, and it seemed like just a few days for just Jacob, which is such a romantic, <laughs> romantic such a romantic. Line. And what you should see here that Jacob has intentions and plans to marry Rachel. Yep. And to make his line through Rachel. Yep. That's his plan. That's his plan. That's his plan. Yep. But. Yeah, uh, wedding night comes. Wedding night. Into the seven years come, <laughs> and 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 apparently there's no lights in the room or something. No, <laughs> no lights in the room. She probably wore a veil. Yep. He might be drunk. Yeah, we don't. We knows? don't know. We don't know. But in the morning, it's, it's not Rachel. It's Leah. <laughs> it's Leah. Surprise! Surprise! And Laban, when Jacob confronts him, actually tells him his own narrative back to him. Mm. We do not give the younger before the firstborn. Oh. Which is exactly what Jacob did to his to, father. Yeah, right. Because he was the younger and Esau was the older, his brother. Right. So, so he was like, not supposed to get what he got. And now he's kind of getting a taste of his own medicine yeah, here. Jacob's past is mm. catching up to him. Um, and then his father says, well, go ahead and complete her week, which I think means like normally wedding celebrations lasted a week. Right. And so it's like they've like, Complete the, the wedding day. Complete the feast here. Right. I'll give you Rachel, but you have to work another seven years after oh that. Oh, my gosh. So that's what happens. Yep, another seven years, and then uh, he finally gets to marry Rachel. Yes. And now we are hoping here, we're, we have now two people to make the family line through. Right. Right? Yep. And God chooses Leah over Rachel. Mm. Contrary to Jacob's plans, right. he chooses Leah to bear son after son after son. Right. Um, and not Rachel until... Yep. A little bit later. Until a little later, yep. And what's fascinating here is if this is a fall narrative, if mm. Jacob is being seen as the new Adam, right? Uh, and then that means Rachel and Leah are now these new Eves. They're actually kind of like, they're false broken Eves. Right. Rachel has this power that comes with her beauty. She is able to capture his affections. Mm. But Leah is the one with the significance of childbearing. Right. Like, And so what was once one and Eve is oh. split between two women here. Right. And it creates all this inner turmoil and dysfunction mm. in the family. Rachel and Leah end up having this kind of crazy, crazy competition yeah. for their husband's affection through their children. Right. And their children become placeholders for their own insecurity. Every child is named uh, by the fact that they don't have the love, that, the love or the significance that they, 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 they need. Now my husband will love me. 
is the reason why she names Reuben, Reuben. <laughs> the Lord has looked upon my affliction for now my husband will love me. Mm. The second son is born. Now my husband will be attracted attracted to me or attached to me the third husband now i can praise the lord which one's that that one uh is levi <laughs> um uh it's just so oh, sorry that was judah that was okay. judah that was yeah. judah it's like these names that we get so familiar with right you know in a christian context because these what you're what you're talking these 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 boys you're talking about are going to form the 12 tribes of israel yes and so we're gonna get really familiar with these names but really like you said i like the, they're placeholders for their own insecurities yes. <laughs> It's pretty intense. Yeah, and then Rachel sees all these sons Leah's being given, yeah. and she says, I'm going to die mm. if I don't have a son of my own. Right. And so she, just like Sarai did with, with Hagar, Hagar, gives Jacob her servant. Yep. She starts to have children through Bilhah, <laughs> which is a great name. Another great name. Um, and then her children are just proof placeholders for her own superiority. Mm. Then Rachel said, with mighty wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister and I have prevailed. <laughs> After she has her second so- son, Joseph, his name means I win. I win. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's proof that the curse actually happened. Oh, wow. It's proof that, God, that these women, their desire is for their husband and that their husband rules over them. Right. There's complete dysfunction in the marriage relationship because of the curse. The curse is still present and we're still looking to get back to the Garden of Eden through one of these sons. Mm. So who's it going to be? Yeah, who's it going to be? And that is the big question here because up to this point, it's been, we'll have two, we'll have two, we'll have two, and I'll choose one, I'll choose one, I'll choose one. Like there's that kind of thing. And here, instead of it being the descendants, like the boy descendants that we are choosing from, it's um, the women. There's there's Leah and Rachel. And um, God never comes out and says who's chosen. We see Leah bearing children earlier on, right? But then, uh, and then they bring their slaves into it. And then, and then Rachel finally has one with Joseph and she says, oh, finally I win. Yeah. Right. And then later on, we also find out like her, the fact that she has these sons doesn't feel like enough for her. Right. She has Joseph and said, may the Lord add to me another one. Mm. No matter how faithful God is to, to this family, it's, they don't recognize it as enough. And Rachel I think this unbelief in Rachel is bared out because she ends up stealing the household gods from Laban earlier. Oh, right. I think there's like an underlying idolatry within Rachel where she's not believing in the promises of God Mm -hmm. that he will provide uh, a line through this family. Right. And what's really strange is that through all this dysfunction, through all this brokenness, this is the very first time that we actually get a glimpse of some kind of escalation with... Um, the chosen line's offspring. Because up to now, it's been like, here's one kid, here's two kids. Okay, that's about it, you know? And now it's like, oh, we got 12. Like, we actually yeah. have like a, a bigger family now, maybe a more a more accurately sized family for that day. And and yet it came through dysfunction and it came through sin and it came through brokenness and competition and like fractured relationships. Yeah. And, and again, so this goes back to what we we're talking about with God using human sin and working through it, working in spite of it, in order to bring about his plan. These are the 12 tribes of Israel that we'll still be talking about when Jesus comes on the scene all this yeah. time later. Like These are still like the, yeah. these important men. And not to be more woke than the Bible is, but like the fact that, <laughs> but the fact that these women are highlighted, in like, they're not seen in the best light, but what we do see is the Lord seeing 
the desires and cares and concerns of women, mm. right? Like we see these yeah. two women who desperately desire the affection of their husband, desperately desire the significance that comes with childbearing. And the Lord sees them and blesses them through what they want, yeah. essentially. But ultimately, it doesn't work that way yeah. out. So I think for us, I think for women who are listening to this, I would hope that they would take encouragement that the Lord sees them in their particular suffering that is unique mm. to women, because Jacob doesn't experience no. doesn't experience. He's quite this. absentee in this whole And he provides part. them a son that actually satisfies. Mm. He provides them a son in Jesus, right? right? Like he is the ultimate son. Yep. And like the fact that he comes from a virgin yeah. is proof that he's the son of all women who should not actually be able to have children, yeah. right? Like he is the son that satisfies and all that put their faith in him have hundreds of brothers and mm-hmm. sisters and sons yeah. and daughters in Jesus. Yeah, and I've never thought about Jesus being the fulfillment of all of these different names that that um, Leah and Rachel gave to their children. Um, I, it's like, what were they? What, was, what were some of them again? Um, now my husband will love me. Yes, he will, <laughs> right? Like yes. in, in Jesus, that's true. Now we have a husband hus- who loves us. Yes. Right? Uh, what's another one? Uh, now my husband will be attached to me. Yes. He, now he my weds husband, himself to us and never lets us go. We'll never be abandoned or forsaken. Now my husband will honor me. Yes. God, despite our dishonor and our enemy, or us being enemies to God, Jesus comes and dies for us in order to lift us up and seat us on a throne with him, giving us highest honor next to him. And Rachel's last prayer, may the Lord add to me another son. Yes. And he does. And he does, but it's not immediately. It is down the line, and it's the ultimate son that she wanted to have, the one who will actually make true all of their desires that they had that will actually meet them and that will actually fulfill the promise of opening heaven's gate and letting us live with God again. That will come through the son God adds to Rachel, who's Jesus. So Joseph is born, and immediately Laban and Joseph are about to separate. Or Jacob. Jacob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too many J's. Lots of J names. Too many names. Yep. Jacob and Laban are about to separate. Right. Oh, and again, it's because of kind of a similar thing that had happened with... Abraham and Lot. Abraham and Lot. They had too much stuff, and they just had to spread out. And we were told right off the bat in in chapter 30, verse uh, 27 and verse 30, that the Lord is the one who has blessed Jacob Mm -hmm. up to this point. Jacob has been trying over and over again by his own ingenuity and his own preferences and his own desires to gain for himself God's blessing in the line by tricking his father, by... By uh, by tricking his father, tricking mm-hmm. his brother, by choosing his particular wife, and now here right. we see the whole time it's been God. Yeah. Oh, which we- I never even thought of. Where it's like, uh, if if Jacob would have had Rachel right off the bat, he wouldn't have had a son. You right. Know, let alone twelve. You know. So I just I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. God is working through things that are are kind of confusing and tricky right in order to do what he needs to do anyway and laban says don't go away stay for a little bit longer (laughs) and they make this deal where they separate the all the mottled and speckled and striped sheep um jacob gets right and all the pure looking sheep uh laban gets and the idea is this we can easily tell our flocks apart because you get all the solid colored sheep i get all the multicolored sheep right and Jacob, through a clever mix of selective breeding uh-huh. and these sticks, <laughs> which <laughs> I think is folklore. Yeah, I mean, I like I. So I went and studied like all kinds of ancient animal husbanding practices and read a bunch of different theories on what these sticks were supposed to do. Like different people even said like they were like you could put mud on them, and as they walked through the gates, 
they would brush up against the sticks and they would look speckled or spotted. So it's like a uh, trick, right? So that's one possible right. explanation that 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 Jacob was like, well, if I put these muddy sticks up by they'll Jacob's sheep, they'll all look muddy and they'll be mine. So that's one that's one way. Which right. classic Jacob, if that is the thing, being trick, being tricky. Other people say that there were the it was a certain kind of tree. You know, because it yeah, tells yeah. us what kind poplar of tree it was. It's poplar, almond tree. That these were supposed to be like fer- fertility trees, mm. and uh, if you if you stuck them around your animals, they absorbed the mystical powers mm. of their fertility, and they would you know bear more. But regardless of what it is, the point is, it wasn't Jacob's ingenuity or trickery that ended up making his flocks grow to far outnumber Laban's. It was right. just the fact that God was inordinately blessing him. That's right. Okay. And that's what, end of what, what's, that's what ends up happening. God just yep. blesses and blesses, and he has more and more stronger and stronger, multicolored sheep. And ultimately, so much so that Laban's sons say, Jacob's actually stolen everything from He has to. Father. It's the only explanation. Right. Yeah. He's just he's taken it away from our father, which is like why it led some people to say that he was painting the sheep with the sticks. And then this is what Jacob says back to him. Like, I'm not cheating your father. Right. He just says, I see that your father doesn't regard me with favor as he did before. But it's just because the God of my father has been mm-hmm. with me, right. which is what he promised him the first yep. time he saw him. He's I fi- will be with you. So he's <laughs> finally coming around to giving God the credit he deserves. Yes. God did not permit him to harm, harm me. It's always God mm-hmm. who is blessing. And Jacob recognizes it. Right. He's like, even though he keeps trying and doing all these different things to trick people, yep. he recognizes like everything I'm trying isn't working the way it's supposed to. <laughs> yeah. And God continues to bless me despite my best efforts. Yep. Despite the fact that my past is catching up to me, God is still blessing yep. me. It might have taken him 30 years or so to figure it out, but he, he's finally coming to realize that, man, uh, everything I try doesn't work. This is, there's got to be something else happening here. And through a humiliating process of being completely taken advantage of and mistreated and then having inner turmoil in his family, he's finally realizing, like, maybe God has been doing all this behind the scenes the whole time. Right. <laughs> yeah. And anyway, so they finally start separating. Like, it's time to come. Like, you don't like me anymore. Or yeah. we need, it's time to separate. And like move. And move like, away. Like, we're not going to even live next to each other anymore. So they start moving back towards Esau. Yep. They start moving back to their to the promised land, back mm-hmm. to Canaan. Um, and as they're moving out, Rachel steals all these household gods. Yeah. It's a weird little part of the story. But it ends up bringing some conflict later on. Mm-hmm. Laban realizes his household gods are missing. Yep. Chases yep. them down. Catches but, up to them because they have kids and lots of animals, so he's able to quickly catch up to them. And when they meet, when they catch up to him, yep. basically Laban says, why, did you, why didn't you let me say goodbye to my daughters? Right, he just bailed. <laughs> why did you bail? And then why did you steal my household gods? Mm-hmm. And Jacob begins um, to explain, like, no, 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 I, I didn't steal your household gods. Right. And besides that, you have not been, it seems like we're at odds right now. It seemed like the best plan was to right. leave. Yeah. And again, Tricking his father, leaving in the middle of night, doing it's like classic Jacob. Yep. The trickster, the wrestler, the person who is like trying to make God's will happen to the back to the promised land yeah. under his own disguises. Yeah. Laban doesn't buy it, starts ransacking all the houses. Right. I'm gonna find these household gods and prove you wrong. Yes. Right. And who has them other than his attractive, favored daughter, Rachel. Right. She's stowed them away on her animal, her beast of burden. Right. And I think part, part of what's going on here is the fact that these household gods have been stolen yeah. and they're sitting underneath Rachel is we're supposed to see again that it is the true God that has provided for um, Jacob's wealth mm. and his ability to go back to the promised land, land and not the false ones. Mm. Rachel's stolen them and she's sitting on top of them. She's hiding them. But when finally Laban can't find them, 
Jacob's response is, it's only because the God of the, the, my father, the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac have been with me and on my side. Um, uh, if, it's only because that they've been with me that yeah. I have what I have. Wow. Not because of the false gods. Right. Only because of me. And yeah. then he rebukes God her. is over every single activity that's happening. He is orchestrating things, working through things. This other false god is stuffed in a bag, put on an animal, and sat on by a woman. Like, yes. Like this is like a humiliating place for a god to be. And it's to show us that, yeah, because those gods have no control. They have they have no more control than you do, Jacob, for for all through all your trickery and what you're trying to make God's will happen. Only one person is in charge here, and it's the God of Abraham and Isaac. Yes. Okay, cool. And they say, okay, and they're gonna separate and they set up a pillar, like this this yep. stone that says, This is my on this side of the land. Don't cross side, here. Don't cross here. Yep. We'll, and we'll be fine. Okay. And then after that, they move finally towards the promised land. Right. So how are we supposed to see Jesus in this? Um, I, I can't help but just look at the trickery um, and the, the scheming and the falsehood that's all taking place here where Jacob is trying to um, amass wealth for himself through different kinds of schemes. But no matter what he does, it's God who's really the one giving the increase. And I'm just reminded through all the trickery of the false trials that Jesus went through um, in his passion narrative, that he yeah. was... Um, and then Jacob know. is being falsely tried here, That's too, right? right? Like yep. Laban is falsely accusing him, and, yep. and Jacob says, you've changed my wages t- 10 times, yeah. right? Like, you've done all this stuff to me. Right, yeah. so there's this false trial happening here, uh, and that's what we see. When Jesus is accused, he's, he's brought before, like, flimsy, false courts. Uh, people, you know, dream up lies about him, and they, they try to falsely accuse him. He's, he's kind of taken from court to court all over the land and trying to get an accusation to stick. And then finally, it's not because he's actually guilty that he's sent to the cross. It's just because of um, infighting and a rabble of, of, of the crowd yelling out, crucify him. There's politics. All this is happening that an innocent man is taken to the cross. And so through all of mankind's trickery and false trials and, and backhanded deals, um, God works through that trickery to bring Jesus to the place that he ultimately wants him to be, which is a cross. And so, um, again, I just think we see again and again and again how God works through our worst sin, works through trickery, works through deceit. Works through the sin of other people That's against right. him. Yeah. yeah, in order to bring about his ultimate plan, which was to bring the son of Jacob, the son of Joseph, Jesus, to the place where he could crush the head of sin and death forever, which was on the cross. Okay, so Jacob is about to enter back into the promised land, um, and he's going to confront Esau. Yeah. He knows he's there, and he's afraid. Yeah. He left on pretty bad terms with his brother, and he's legitimately afraid that for his life. Yeah, I mean, I would be too. I mean, if you look back at the descriptions of Esau, he doesn't seem like a chill dude. Yeah, and he's a hunter. Yeah. Well, that's what he's he a is. Harry hunter. Harry hunter. He's like, I was the cook. Yeah. I'm gonna go. <laughs> I, I was the fat boy with my mom in the kitchen. Right. And he's the, the strong man wrestling yeah. bears to the ground. If he sees me, he's gonna kill me. And this we don't have to unpack this, but it is such a little random minor point of the text that I just love. Yeah. Where he enters into this new land. This is like near Bethel, where yeah, he yeah. where you know, where the gate of heaven opened. Right. Well, this is actually super significant. Oh no, I yeah. know. I, okay, great. We 
can unpack it. But he, he comes up and it's like there's still angels chilling out in this right. area. Well, it's because they're guarding <laughs> the entrance to the New Eden. Right. They're guarding the entrance to the promised land. Yeah. That's why. It's just so cool. It it's is a, so cool. It's such a, it just seems like a random accident of the text where it's just like you're reading along and, hey, there's some angels over there. And it's like, what? <laughs> What's so crazy? I think it's central to understanding this text. Yeah. There are angels as they walk into the borders of the promised land. Mm-hmm. There are angels. Yeah. It's supposed to, and then this wrestling with God happens on another border of the promised land. Right. It's supposed to, mar- it's supposed to communicate to us that before you enter in, yeah. there's this cherubim guarding it. This is the spot. Yep. This is the center of God's new kingdom. If you want to come into the new heavens and new earth, if you want to come into the new Eden, you're going to have to go through me. Right. That's what God says. That's exactly sense. right. Yeah. That's exactly right. And so what's what why that's important is like you have to go through God. Right. And it ends up being that Esau's not the biggest threat. Yeah, in that Esau's sense. not the scary one that he's gonna have to fight. It's God because he's God. at the border of the new the new Eden. And we see here also Jacob becoming more and more of a humble character. Yeah, he's getting there. He's getting there. And so like <laughs> here in, in verse nine, he prays. We actually see him pray. We see him pray to the Lord. He says, like, I recognize that everything that I've I have tried. It has not turned yeah. out. Everything I have is from, from you, you. And I know that you'll be faithful to my promise, Lord. So I'm afraid of Esau. Protect Ma- me. Protect me. Yeah. And then he makes an elaborate plan. Yeah. It, yeah. It's so, <laughs> it's just so funny. It's like he, yeah, he, 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 he says, all right, God, you got this. But just in case you don't, let me try. <laughs> let me try. And then he sends all of his family away. Right. Um, To go meet Esau yeah. before him. And, he, and not only his family, he sends like, all of his possessions yes. to like do this parade in front of Esau, that wave after wave like, of his possessions. Like, this is a gift for you. Yep. This is a gift for Here, you. Here's some lambs. Here's some goats. Oh, Trying to placate, some, yep, that's placate right. him to make sure he's not so super angry when he gets uh-huh. there. Yep. Yep. And then as he's on the border of the promised land, he's, he's like, he's going to like take a nap before waking up in the morning to go confront Esau. Um, God meets him. Yeah. And he wrestles with God all night long. Mm-hmm. And I think part of like this story, this is Jacob in a nutshell. Mm. We're going to, he's going to wrestle with God all night long and say, I will not let you go until you bless me. Right. And so what has Jacob been doing his entire life? He's been wrestling with his father. He's been wrestling with his brother. He's been wrestling with his father-in-law. Mm-hmm. He's wrestled with his wife. And now he's wrestling with God. Yeah. He, his entire life has been wrestling and trying and organizing and mm-hmm. scheming to get the promises of God and the blessing of God yep. for himself. But now he's going through the right channel. He's going to God himself for the blessing. Because like the blessing he got from his dad was a trick you know he got this like trick blessing from his dad and it hasn't really panned out for him and now he's like i want the legitimate blessing like give it to me i'm gonna wrestle with you until i get it and god does right and we're not told the content of the blessing nope um but i think we can infer it's like he's giving him the land you don't get access to the promised land without a limp (laughs) <laughs> like right. you, you're going to walk through God to get there. And he blesses him. And he says, I've seen, I wrestled with the Lord face to face and he spared my life. Right. Um, yeah. But like he didn't have to, like God could have taken his life there, but instead all he did was reach into his hip and give him a limp. And uh, in order to bring him into the promised land. And like, what's amazing is Jesus is the one who fully wrestles with God. Right. Yeah. And the wrath that we deserve uh, to open up the gate of heaven, to get us into the promised land. And he did not get just a limp. Like, it cost his life and limb and all of it. And that way we just get an open door. We get a gate. 
where 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 Jacob had a wrestling match, we get a red carpet. You know, yeah. <laughs> like we get to enter into heaven because Jesus wrestled the wrath of God that we deserve for us. And so what? Ha- and so Jacob, that small picture of a redeemer, yep. coupled with his prayer for Esau's blessing on him, is answered. Mm. It's not answered by all the schemes. It's not answered nope. by the gifts that he sends him. Right. Esau tries to refuse Esau's it. Esau's like, I don't need this stuff. We're good. They hug. Yeah. They hug. Jacob they, and Esau hug. They run and they embrace one another and they're reconciled Which to one just, another. This always reminds me of the story of the parable, the, the parable of the prodigal son. Oh, yeah. Because He's it's like there's this, there's this, well, but there's more than that. It's like there's this strange son, right? And he has an older brother. Yeah. Right? Esau yeah, yeah, has his yeah, older yeah. brother and he has this plan. He's like, I'm going to come back and I'm going to just throw all this stuff at my dad. And it's just going to be like, hey, I'll, I'll serve you in your land and, and I'll, 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 I'll prostrate myself before you and all this stuff. And his dad's like, I don't need any of that. Just give me a hug. Yeah. You know? And like that's what happens between Jacob and Esau. Uh, is is he sends all this stuff and they reconcile? I just I can't help but think about that picture. And this is actually a a microcosm, mm. a small picture of what God will do. With the hope that the prophets have for Israel. Mm. So Esau in chapter thirty six ends up being the father of a line that inhabits this place called Edom, Edom right. and it's mentioned multiple times in chapter thirty six yep. and through the rest of the Bible <laughs> and through the rest of the yeah. Bible. And it, Edom essentially represents all the other nations of the world. Mm. And so in Amos chapter 9, right. there is this hope that Edom and the lines of David, which was the line of Jacob, uh-huh. would come, come back together. together. Yep. And then in Acts 15, they quote Amos 9 saying, what has happened in Jesus Christ is the lines of Edom, the countries of Edom have come together in Jesus. So Okay, so what you're saying is <laughs> that when Jacob and Esau hug... Yeah. and embrace and reconcile, this is a foretaste of God bringing all nations back together and reconciling them in one new kingdom. Yes. That's sticking rocks. <laughs> That's so cool. I've actually never made that connection before. That's really cool. Oh, man. Uh, I also love this picture of, I, I feel like what Jacob tried to do to Esau is what we try to do with God, is it's like when we approach God and we come to the border, right, right, right. You know, we come to the border to get into God's land. How am I going to get to heaven? Like, I'll ask it that way, right? How am I, man? I'll just parade my good, my good deeds in front of God. Like, man, look at this. Look what I did. And look, let me give you this, and let me put this on the altar, and let me bring this to you. And God's like, I'm not impressed. I'm not asking right. for that. I've done everything. Just give me a hug. And <laughs> think about how often like human relationships work that way too. Mm-hmm. It's like I. I'm not confident that the Lord actually heard my prayers and will bring reconciliation between me and my father. Yeah. And so what do I do when I go home on Christmas? I make sure I tell him how impressive I am at my job. Oh, right. It's like yeah. I try to make sh- to hedge my relationship mm-hmm. with accomplishments right. rather than with intimacy. Definitely. And the Lord says, I will answer your prayers, yeah. not by your power, not by your accomplishments, but because I will bless you. Right. Isn't that amazing that like that's how God fixes this situation is by softening someone's heart? Like, I love that. So good. And like, we're going to run into that in the next book in Exodus is like this problem of the hard heart is he's going to Esau who had every right to be super ticked off and he just softens his heart in order to bring reconciliation. So have you ever had whiplash? Yes. You have? No. You haven't? I yes. have. Okay. No. Oh, the, uh, you're giving me whiplash here. See what I did yeah, there? Yeah, it's hurt. My neck hurts. <laughs> uh, but that's what... When I read, when I'm reading straight through Genesis, and I and I'm here, th- I get I get literary whiplash here, because <laughs> it's like 
I mean, I mean, think of everything we just talked about. I'm yeah. like at a high note. We literally stopped the show for a second so I could have a mini freak out off air because I was like, that is beautiful. And like God is bringing together all creation through this new son. He's reconciling the world to himself. Like this is the New Testament we're seeing in this embrace in Jacob and Esau. And then you turn to the next page and you get one of the most disgusting stories in all of Genesis. And it's just like you feel gross after reading it. Yeah. And uh, And so... We get to end on a high note with, yeah. <laughs> with this podcast. Dina, one of yes. J- uh, uh, Judah's daughters, mm-hmm. is raped by a Canaanite man. Right. And the brothers yep. are uh, Simeon and Levi, and that's particularly. important. They're yeah. all mad, but Simeon and Levi the, are particularly right. peeved. Um, and they um, want to get vengeance. Right. And Jacob, in this scenario, is stunningly passive. I Yes, he is. Yeah. But I think look what his brothers start, his sons start doing. His sons are trying to grab the promise of God by their own efforts mm. and their own ingenuity. Yes, something terrible's happened, but they go through this whole line of trickery with this Canaanite people. Group. Oh, they do right. Yes, and they try to say, okay, here's how we can. Um, yeah, because they say you you need to marry Dina. If you did this to her, you need to marry her. And in order to marry her, you got to be part of our people. And so to be part of our people, you got to be circumcised because we're all circumcised. And so they trick this entire city that all the men have to be circumcised with these old archaic tools. Right. Right. And then three days later when, when they were all, still when they're still sore from this <laughs> horrific surgery, that's whenever Simeon and Levi they go in and ransack them. the town, kill everyone, plunder everything. They do these horrible things. And we know that Jacob is not pleased with this. No, not at all. He's not pleased. Uh, this was the wrong way to right. avenge Dina. their 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 sister's yes. um, rape. Um, so so much so that anyway, we'll get Simeon and Levi mm-hmm. are the first two sons, right? And then Reuben's the third son, yep. and then Judah is the fourth, right? The reason that's important is because Simeon and Levi here basically disqualify themselves mm-hmm. from receiving the promise, right? And then Reuben will sleep with one of his father's wives, yep. disqualifying him from the promise. So the fourth, fourth son line. is Judah. Yep. And Judah will end up being the promised son later on. So that's right. part the reason why this story is significant is because one, his sons are committing the same mistake hit their father. Mm-hmm. The father they're trying did. to trick people in order to bring about God's will. And they're and specifically, what is the sign of the what is the sign of circumcision mm. that you are included in God's promises? Right. And so, but here it's reversed mm. because they're trying to get the spoils of Canaan right. by a false version of God's promise. Yeah. Right. So they're they're literally inverting the purpose of circumcision, wow. not so that God would bless them, but so mm-hmm. that they could bless themselves through other people. And so that does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, it's, that, yeah. It definitely makes sense. That's sick. And so again, it's these people trying to gain the promise of God through illegitimate means. Yeah. But the Lord actually still ends up blessing the line <laughs> through this. Yeah, which again, that's just that's the that's the story, isn't it? That it, there it seems to be here that there's just no depths to which the the people could sin to which God won't continue to be faithful to them. Yeah, Simeon and Levi are both morally disqualified candidates. Yeah, they can't be, and they're the first, first and second born. Is that first right? and second born? And so, Reuben is about to be like he's going to sleep with his yep. father's concubine. He's morally disqualified. Yep. And then Judah down the line We're is like, going to sleep with Tamar and be mess, mess things up too. We're looking for a morally uncompromised seed. Yep, you ain't going to find him until Jesus. Yep, and like Joseph, we'll get to him next week. He's like as close as we get 
Yes. But death doesn't end and the promise doesn't come. Can't be him. Yeah. We find that moral moral perfection is part of the package, yep. but not all of it. Yeah, right. And right. then Jesus, we have this morally per- perfect one who comes to people who are sexually broken, but mm-hmm. is not overwhelmed or tempted by the sexuality that is on that is right. pretend, that, that might be available to him. Yeah. He stands in the face of temptation and is able to be the morally qualified seed mm-hmm. to make sure that the world is blessed. Yeah. And he's and Jesus is the one who is defiled like Dina, right? Yeah. Um he's you you've talked we've talked before, I don't know if we've talked about it on the Spoken Gospel podcast or not, but you we've talked before about how Jesus takes our sexual brokenness, you know, he's yeah. he's naked and exposed on the cross. You know that all it was that a calculated kind of part of his torture to right. be sexually objectified right. in that way, sexually abused in yes. that way. And so, you know, Jesus was was defiled like Dina was, but then he, even though he had every right to come and castrate us, like you know Simeon and Levi did, to punish us like um, like like Jacob's sons punished Shechem. Was is yeah, that Shechem, the city? Shechem. Um, he didn't. He he was the one who was defiled, and then he is the one who bore the punishment for that defilement. Like he is both Dina and Shechem. He is both the defiled and the destroyed for us, so that we could enter into the next story. You turn the page right after this story of utter brokenness, and what do we see? We see God coming to Jacob and saying, "Come back to Bethel, build an altar, live with me. Don't worship false gods, and I will keep my promise to you and your children." It's like God, like. How faithful are you? And that's what we see in the cross, is that that's how faithful he is. He is so faithful to be the one who is defiled and destroyed for us in order to be the not only morally exemplary son, but the one who can actually bring us back to the Garden of Eden, to open the gate of God, to be the ladder of Jacob through his death, burial, and resurrection. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit dedicated to creating free, gospel centered media that speaks the gospel out of every corner of Scripture. So, to join us in our mission and view our resources, we invite you to visit spokengospel.com. Mm-hmm.